God, through all of our lives, um, you are the one who loves us the most. You are the one who cherishes us the most. You're the one who wants relationship with us the most. And Father, as, as we go through the day-to-day and the struggles and our work and our family and all the situations that face us each day, Father, we know that if, at least in our minds, we know that if we go to you, um, we know intellectually at least that you are the source, really the answer to our lives. But Father, it is so hard sometimes for us to do that because the world weighs heavy on us, our struggles weigh heavy on us, the problems weigh heavy on us. And so Father, we just want to be able to come to you this morning to really unload our struggles on you. Lord, not so that it's just an unloading and then we're done, but Father, because first of all, we know that you are big enough that when we come and just confess all the things that are in our lives, that you are big enough, strong enough, and determined enough to erase them from our lives. You have promised that. So let's just do that. Each of us individually, whatever struggles, sinfulness, problems, issues, frustrations we have, let's just go and bring it to you and just allow you to forgive it from our lives, erase it from our lives. Let's do that. Father, forgive us of those things that we struggle with, Father. Lord, move those difficult things out of our lives that are not productive for you. Father, sometimes we go through life and it is difficult, and those difficulties do bring us closer to you, and so we rejoice in those difficulties. But Father, if the difficulties of our own making, Lord, that are bringing no glory to you and no help to ourselves, Father, we pray that that would be removed from our lives. Lord, we pray um, this morning that uh, we just ask you that we would be able to know you more and to be closer to you. And that, Father, that our closeness to you would not be solely defined by what we think, would not be solely defined by what we feel, by not, not even what we will or desire, but that all of those things would be in balance in knowing you, that we would desire to know you in our mind, in our hearts, with all of our souls and volition and will as well. Father, so it's not just something that we say, not something that we pretend, but something that is very real to us. Father, we pray this morning that you would just pour out your Holy Spirit, uh, give your spirit to us, Father, this morning, dwelling, encouraging, uplifting us, so that as we talk this morning about a call to glory, Lord, that you would make that glory real in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, yeah. There are despots and dictators, political manipulators. There are bluebirds with the intellect of fleas. There are kings and catty tyrants who are so lacking in refinements. Maybe better see this swinging from a tree. He was born and raised to rule. No one has ever been as cool in a thousand years of aristocracy. An enigma and a mystery in Mesoamerican history. The quintessence of perfection, that is he. Okay, this is the real me, not this. This, not this. Winner, loser. 
Okay, see this palace? Everyone in it is at my command. Check this out. The butler. Chef. Theme song guy. Oh, yeah! He's the sovereign of the nation. He's the hippest cat in creation. He's the alpha, the omega, A to Z. And this perfect world will spin around his every little whim. Because his perfect world begins and ends with me. What's his name? my groove I'm sorry but you've thrown off the emperor's groove sorry. all right uh, I love this uh, clip and I love this movie too because Cusco is the ultimate it's all about me all about me right and um, so the thing is this morning we're gonna talk about whether or not it's all about me or all about the Lord and try to do it in, a, in an honest way because the struggle that we all face is to exalt ourselves, to want to bring glory to ourselves. But the Bible tells us that instead of trying to bring, bring glory to ourselves, instead of trying to exalt ourselves, that we are to glorify God with our lives. And that by being a servant like Jesus, it will enable us to bring glory to God. And also, as we're going to talk a little bit about this morning, that it will bring goodness um, to our lives as well. Uh, in the movie clip, we see a lot of self-elevation. It's all about me, um, and Cusco is definitely like that. Of course, no one here is probably as bad as him, but the temptation that we face every day of our lives is to focus more on ourselves rather than God and, and the people around us who God has called us to minister to. Well, A Servant Like Jesus, this is our series that we are working through. Um, today is the four of the four-week series. We've been studying Philippians 2, which is a classic passage on the, well, let me say it this way. It's a classic passage that is usually spent time only talking about Jesus. And while Jesus is definitely the most important part, there's a whole preface, a whole setup, a whole context to the discussion about who Jesus is that is about us being servants. And so if we don't understand who Jesus is in context, of his servanthood to God, his service to God, and our service to God, then we sort of miss the whole point of this passage because we sort of talk about Jesus in a very generic, theological, bland, vanilla way without bringing it back to our lives. And so today we don't want to do that because we're going to, even though this is the pinnacle um, of this passage, we're going to still bring it back to the role of servant that we are to play um, to be a servant like Jesus. Well, here's our strategy. Um, in the first week, we talked about a call to peace. And we talked about how Paul here in Philippians basically explains that it is possible and that, in fact, if we are believers, that we should, we should have peace in our relationships with other believers. That it is not acceptable, it is not good, it's not healthy, for us to be in a state of constant conflict with those people around us who are also believers in Jesus, whether those people are in our family or whether those people are in our church. And so it's really critical um, that we move away from conflict and we have peace in our lives. 
none of us want conflict, right? We, none of us here say, you know, I'd like to have more conflict in my church. I'd like to have more conflict in, our, in my home. But unfortunately, even as Christians, we're plagued with conflict. And Paul says that's not the way it should be. And there are several qualifiers that will let you know whether or not you're in a good position to be in peace rather than in conflict. We talked about those, but some of them are what? You know, uh, having a relationship with God. Having the Holy Spirit working in your life. Having and experiencing God's love on a regular basis. And lastly was what? Having a heart that is one of flesh and soft and malleable rather than a heart that is a rock that is stone. And as we go out in life and into our world, it's very easy for us to have that kind of heart, a heart that is a rock, a heart that is stone. Secondly, we talked about call to humility, and we talked about, um, we talked about the fact that as we are trying to achieve peace and lack of conflict in our lives, um, that there are some things that we can do. There's some qualifiers, some descriptors of what it looks like. And Paul talks about how we are supposed to not build ourselves up, but we are actually... Um, to lower ourselves to become a servant and that when we are not about ourselves and we are about other people um, then we are able at that point to see and to realize a peaceful existence that we are able to have humility in our relationships with other people and that will bring about peace now this last week we talked about a call to serve and we talked about how jesus was willing to serve even though he was god right we talked about the famous passage where he says where the bible says though he did not consider equality with God something to grab hold of, but instead humbled himself as a slave even to the obedience of dying on the cross for you and I, right? And so we talked about that famous passage, and we talked about how this is still in the context of Jesus' willingness to be a servant, to be a slave for God, to honor God, so that we might have eternal life through him and abundant life here on earth and a purpose and all the other things that comes with knowing God. Well, today we're going to talk about a call to glory, um, a call to glory. The reason is, is because Jesus' story doesn't end with him just dying on the cross. It doesn't end there, but instead it ends with what? It ends with God bringing him into glory, and we're going to talk about how this glory relates to us, how our service brings about glory, how we are related, not literally, but figuratively, to what Christ has done um, and how we as people are called to live a life of glory, and also, of course, out of that, to glorify God. Well, we're going to look at Philippians 2, uh, verses 1 through 11, and uh, we're going to read down through there. If you'd like to open your Bibles to Philippians 2 and look at it in your Bibles, that's awesome. If not, it's going to be up on the big screen um, either way. All right, let's look at Philippians 2. We're going to read the whole passage focusing on the last couple of verses. Um, if there is encouragement from belonging to Christ, if there's comfort from His love, if there's fellowship together in the Spirit, if your hearts are tender and compassionate, then you can make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude, in other words, as we talked about, you must put on the same mindset that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Fully God, fully man, right? When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. 
Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All right, so, therefore, if we are a servant like Jesus, right, because I, I put this slide in here because if we don't keep this in our minds, first and foremost, then the rest of the passage will fall apart. That The whole point of this is us being a servant like Jesus. Therefore, if we're a servant like Jesus, three ideas um, that we're going to talk about uh, as we work through these last three verses here. First idea is, is that we will be redeemed by Jesus, that we will be redeemed. That if we are a servant like Jesus, then our service, our obedience to God, will ultimately result in our redemption. Let's talk about this idea of redemption for a minute. We've talked about it before. What does to redeem mean? What does to redeem mean? Well, if I go uh, to Costco and I buy a, a case of sodas, right, and I drink those sodas, at the bottom of the bottle of each empty bottle, it's say California Redemption, CRV, whatever, five cents, whatever it says for, for California. And so when I go and I drink that and the bottle's empty, the bottle's basically worthless. There's nothing really for me to do with it at that point other than throw it away. However, because, you know, we live in a green society and they want us to recycle, then we can go and we can take that bottle back and we can redeem it, something that's worthless, and get what? Money for it, something that's valuable, right? So basically, redemption is taking something that is worthless, something that has no value, and creating value from it, or, be, or having value ascribed to it that is given to us. When we take something that's old and useless, like an empty soda can or an empty bottle or an empty water bottle, and we take it down to the recycling area, they redeem it, they take it from being worthless to adding value to it. So when we are a servant like Jesus, when we are willing to serve God, we're willing to serve him, we have a relationship with God, of course that's the, the, the beginning of that, um, then we are able to be redeemed by God. And in fact, God promises very clearly that we will be redeemed um, because of the work of Jesus. Now, uh, and you can follow along in your handout if you have it, by the way, but only when we humble ourselves can we accept Jesus' sacrifice. Now, this is really, really important. Because our view of ourselves will often get in the way of God's view of us. Let me, let me say it another way. When Jesus came to the earth, we talked about this last week and a couple of weeks before. When Jesus came to the earth, it would be very easy for him to say, look, I'm Jesus. I'm Cusco, right, from the movie clip. I'm Jesus. It's all about me, right? And so I'm going to... Have whatever I want to have. Stay in the Hilton, bark and lounge by the side of the road, the examples I used last week. Whatever it may be, I deserve it because I am Jesus. But instead, as the Bible says, that Jesus was willing to humble himself um, and be basically a slave to God and be a slave even to people here on earth for a time in order that God's will would be fulfilled in his life. Only when we humble ourselves can we accept Jesus' sacrifice. See, the problem is, is that as we go through life, it's easy for us to think about things from our perspective. What do I want? What do I need? What kind of business do I want to have? What does my career want to do? What size TV do I really, really want? What kind of makeup do I want? Or clothing do I want? 
And so when we go through lives, we set our eyes on those goals. But instead, Jesus didn't set his eyes on those goals. He set his eyes on God's goals for his life. And what that God's goal was, was to humble himself to God and to other people, to be obedient. And that obedience led to what? It had led to God, as we're going to talk about in a minute, elevating him to the highest place. Only when we humble ourselves can we accept Jesus' sacrifice. Here's the problem. The problem is, is that as we, as we struggle day to day, I know the economy's bad, the country's, you know, not in the best perhaps place it could be, um, and we go through this bad patch, right? And it, we say, well, it's, I got to do stuff for myself. Of course, we've talked about in the past that when there's a good time, we talk about we need to do stuff for ourselves too. But instead, when we humble ourselves, when we serve other people, then it is what gets us out of the way of God and allows God to be the one in control and running our lives. Ultimately, we cannot run our lives the way that we would love to have them be run. Otherwise, we'd all be rich and famous and popular, whatever it would be that, that we would really secretly love to be, right? And so what happens is we can't run our lives that way, but if we turn our lives over to God, then he is able to do that. But the only way he can do that is to get us out of the way. Because as long as it's about us and what we want and sort of our saying, oh, we're going to do it my way, it just never seems to work out. Only when we humble ourselves can we accept Jesus' sacrifice. Because only when we get ourselves out of the way can it happen. You know, with my three-year-old son, Wyatt, uh, a lot of times there are things he wants to do that he can't do, right? If you've had kids, you know this. Little kids always want to do things like, you know, cook, clean, drive the car, you know, open the doors, that sort of thing, right? And they can't do it. They can't do it. A and so in order for those things to happen, the cars to be driven, the food to be cooked, the house to be clean, whatever it is, you have to, what do you have to do? If you've had little kids, you know you have to move them out of the way physically, you know, say, come on over here, let daddy do it, whatever. You have to move them out of the way to actually get it done. Otherwise, they'll stand there and they'll try to cook and they'll, you know, hit the door or whatever they're trying to do to get into doing whatever they're doing. So we have to actually move them out of the way in order to get it done. And it's the same way in our lives that if we can get out of God's way enough for God to do his work in our lives, then it will make a real difference. Only when we humble ourselves can we accept Jesus' sacrifice. Only when we stop looking at us and what is special about us, but say, go to God with, with no pretension, nothing holding us back, and say, listen, God, I'm, I'm going to humble myself to you. I'm going to be obedient to you. I'm going to be open to you. You let me know what I need to do. When we do that, only then are we really in a position to accept Jesus' sacrifice of dying on the cross for us. Our service and obedience must be as real as Jesus'. Now, here's the thing that's funny. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated, actually it says, and so as a result of, and so for this reason, um, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. So, it would be you know, we could say, you know, this Jesus guy, he's funny, right? He's funny because he must have known that, yeah, suffer a little bit, and he's going to get lots of cool toys when he's done suffering, right? 
that somewhere in the back of his mind, he knew, you know, if I can just sort of play along with the whole sacrifice thing, I can just sort of play along with the whole religious thing for a few years, that if I do that, then I've got all kinds of cool toys waiting for me in my father's house. Right? That's what Jesus thought, right? No? That's not what Jesus thought? See, we have to decide whether Jesus' willingness to be a slave, to be obedient to death, even on a cross, whether Jesus' willingness to come here to this earth and put up with us, walk around, try to teach people, try to explain who God was to people who were hostile and indifferent, that Jesus' obedience to God was either real or was it fake. We have to decide, because if his obedience to God was fake, then he was just kind of doing it just to get somewhere. The ends justify the means. He was just doing it to get to a certain place in life. But if it was real, if he really was obedient without expectation of anything else, that would be really cool, right? Why would it be really cool? would be really cool because he would not be a hypocrite. He would be honest. He would be, as we talked about last week, the one non-hypocritical guy who's ever lived. He would be real and he would be honest and it would be legitimate. Same way. That if we want to serve God, because God knows our hearts and knows our minds, our service to him must be as legitimate as Jesus is. It has to be as legitimate because it has to be real. It can't be fake. Look, I know that there's plenty of churches with lots of people who do lots of good deeds. And um, those, those good deeds uh, don't lead them anywhere. You know, Rex and Addie and I had a chance to go to um, the WCA Leadership Summit uh, this week. Um, this was really cool. And uh, one of the guys that spoke, uh, spoke, you know, it's great when someone speaks and they speak on something that's like everybody knows, but it like brings it over afresh again, you know, like, so it wasn't anything in the, in the message that he spoke, you know, they have leaders, and they have pastors, and they have everything in between, so they had everybody from uh, Tony Blair speaking to, you know, the former uh, Prime Minister of the UK to, uh, to pastors here in America, um, and uh, one of the pastors, Tim Keller, you know, he, uh, he mentioned an old truth, which is the fact that a lot of times, um, our good deeds are the things that get in the way of our relationship with God. And basically, it's an old truth, and what that means is, is that there's lots of people who, as he was sharing, who go to church every Sunday and who do lots of good things for the community, and they're a good person, and their good deeds are the ones that are keeping them away from God. Because why? Because the good deeds that they do are about them to make themselves feel good, to make them look good, to ma bring glory to themselves. If we want to have a relationship with God, we must, we must not live our lives like hellions and serve ourselves and do whatever we want, right? But at the same time, we must not also try to do all the good deeds that we can because why? At the end of the day, all we're doing is glorifying ourselves with our good deeds and when we stand before God, we expect to be able to say, well, God, look what I did. I mean, that's what the Pharisees did in the Bible, right? That's what the Pharisees did. They were like, hey, look at us. We're cool. We did a lot of good stuff. That's why Jesus, you don't, you can't, you're not, I know, we know you're not God. We know that because look at all our good deeds. Here they all are. 
We tell other people how to live by the Torah. We, we, you know, we pray and ask for forgiveness out loud in this courtyard so everyone can hear. Everyone sees our good deeds. They all see it. You don't have anything to say. But Jesus' service and obedience to God was fundamentally real. Completely real. Without the expectation of any reward or any good thing coming of it. So that's really our question then. Would you be willing to serve Jesus even if there was no promise of eternal life? I mean, what if the Bible just sort of ended and never told you whether there would be eternal life or not? Just sort of more open-ended. Would you still be willing to serve Jesus without that Well, I don't want you to flippantly say, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, Pastor, I'm a Christian, yeah, I'm, I'm there, because that's a hard question. That's a hard question. See, we know sort of the bonus that we get at the end, right? Like Christmas is coming, and we know that the company is going to give us a $1,000 bonus for Christmas, right? Awesome. We know that there's a bonus coming if we believe. But it's not the bonus that matters, I submit to you. What matters is that our service and obedience to God must be real. Otherwise, we'll miss the bonus. Look, that's why the Bible says that there's going to be lots and lots of people who prophesy and testify and do all these things. They say, didn't I do all these things? And God's going to say, I don't care about what you did in my name that was to glorify you. Because glorifying you doesn't really, is not a part of this conversation here. What I care about is whether you are willing to submit yourself and serve me without worrying about glorifying yourself, just to be obedient. That when I say, get up and go and do this, that you'll get up and go and do this. It's not that Jesus didn't struggle with it, right? I mean, remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, I mean, Jesus didn't really want to go to the cross. You know, he struggled with it, he was conflicted about it because he knew the terrible... Uh, fate that waited him but yet even amidst the conflict he said okay God what you want I will do above all else what you want I will do and our service and obedience must be as real as Jesus we must be able to say God whatever you want I'll do it that's the reason why I mean that's the reason why that's the reason why that there are so many people I fear who will stand before God and will not be hanging out with him for eternity you know why because we know Charles Manson's not going to be there, right? Because of all the bad things he's done. Or whatever killer, evil person you want to put in that, in that list, fine. We know that. But there's going to be lots and lots of people who are relying on themselves, lifting themselves up, elevating themselves, saying, look at me, I'm a pastor. Look at me, I'm an elder. Look at me, I'm a deacon. Look at all the cool stuff I've done for the kingdom. Woo, I am awesome, right? I am awesome for the Lord. And my fear is, is that they will miss it as well. And that should be a concern and a danger for all of us. It's not what you do. It's what God asks you to do and your response to that. If God asks you to do X, whatever X is, and you sit in a pew and you never do X, that's a big problem. But if God asks you to do X, 
and you get up out of the pew and put on a fancy outfit and make a title and you do why, that's just as much of a miss. They're both misses. They're both misses. Jesus didn't work his way through a couple of bad situations just to score a big reward with God. He didn't do it. He didn't do it. And so somehow we have to not do the same thing as well. Now let me just be fair here because some of you may say, well, pastor, what about like when I first became a Christian? Um, you know, maybe I became a Christian a long time ago and somebody told me about eternal life and I really want eternal life and I became a Christian. Is that wrong? No. Why is that not wrong? It's not wrong because that's the difference between being on the outside looking in and the inside looking out, right? If you're on the outside looking in, the, Paul, the, the Bible's very clear. Paul even says that, look, however you have to share the gospel with them, whether, whether it is because you're telling them to be obedient, because they're hurting and they need God's love, whether it's because they want eternal life, whether it's because they want abundant life, it doesn't matter at that point. Just tell them about the gospel. Allow God to work in their lives, you know? It don't matter when you're on the outside looking in. Just get in. But the problem is, is that if you're sitting here this morning, you're on the inside, <laughs> then your motivation becomes really, really important at that point. Why you're doing things and how you're doing things becomes really, really important at that point. It becomes critical. If you're married here, oh, I'd like to use a not a PG one, but I won't. Hey, I can use a not PG one. Guys, if you're married and you find out your wife is being intimate with you just to I don't really want to be intimate with him, but just to shut him up. Is that going to make you feel good? No. No, it's going to be very offensive, isn't it? It's going to be very offensive. And, and so if we are just doing some good deeds, going to church on the side to shut up the pastor or to shut up God, is that going to get, you know, is that going to build relationship with the Lord? Or is that going to basically just offend him? Jesus didn't work his way through a couple of bad situations just to score a big reward with God. Second idea, real quickly, is that we will be elevated by God. We will be elevated by God. Now, I put elevated in quotes because uh, I, I think that there is enough in our world, and it's not your fault, it's the generations that were one or two ahead of you. But in our world, I think that there's too much in the early 20th century <clears throat> because of the events of the time there was too much euphoria even the late 19th century too much euphoria on heaven um, and not enough focus on ministry here and so the problem is, is that it's easy to go to churches even today where it's all about isn't it awesome we're going to be in heaven soon Woo! right and then the problem is for 80 years they completely neglect what God has called them to do here on earth to be obedient and to serve, and to share the gospel. I know lots of people who never share the gospel with anybody. Never. But they're all about one day walking with Jesus and talking with Jesus. What are you going to talk about with him? You didn't do anything. Seriously. <coughs> I mean, are you just going to unload on all the problems you had? But you know, there's not going to be any stories of how, you know, you served in, a, in some place and <laughs> because of that service, someone accepted the Lord and, and came to know Him as Savior? Or you did something that, you know, God called you to go to a foreign country and, and for a couple of weeks and put in water, or put in uh, 
you know, a, a, a clinic or something, and people came and they got healed physically, and then they heard about the gospel, and many of them got healed spiritually and emotionally. That's something to talk to Jesus about. That's something he's probably interested in. But the fact that you did nothing except think about heaven and floating around like angels and that sort of thing for 80 years, I really don't think, from reading the Bible, I don't want to say he doesn't care about, it just doesn't seem like it'd be a priority for him. It doesn't seem like he wanted to come and die just so we could sort of <clears throat> do nothing with his sacrifice. So when I say we will be elevated by God, we want to keep this in context and in place. Doesn't mean I'm not looking forward to heaven. Don't get me wrong. Okay. But I know that I've got at least 30 or 40 more years as a minimum here on earth, I hope, God willing, that I'm going to make the most of these years. Okay. Some of you may say, well, Pastor, I've only got 20 years. Good. You can change the world in 20 years. One person can do it. I mean, we saw, we heard testimonies this week at the Leadership Summit of people who did change the world. What, 28 year old girl changed the world? I mean, significantly has changed the world over the last uh, six years. And if she's 28 and can do it, if you're, just because you're 60 doesn't mean you can't do it either. Jesus is elevated by God to the highest place. The Bible says here, therefore, or as a result of this, there's actually two conjunctions there to make sure that we understand, in the original language, to make sure we understand that because of all this that took place, therefore, this is going to take place. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. In the original language, it's a superlative there. If you don't remember from seventh grade English or Spanish or Tagalog or Hindi or whatever, um, then a superlative is when you put the EST on the end, when you make it the greatest, the most, right? So Jesus is elevated by God to the highest place. Now, here's the thing. It's really important for us to realize that Jesus was not paid for his servanthood. Okay, it wasn't a transaction there. It's not like that God said, okay, Jesus, let's sit down at the bargaining table. Yeah, you know, you lived here 30-some years. Yeah, you died on the cross. What's that worth? Uh, it's got to be worth 50 million currency, heaven currency, whatever. It's not like that Jesus was paid for doing this. Instead, as a consequence of Jesus' obedience, God chose freely to grant him the highest name and the highest honor of the land. That's what happened. How do you feel when you're at work or you're at home and uh, a relative, a child, <coughs> a co-worker does something, an employee does something just to get a reward? You know that they're doing it just to get a reward. How does that make you feel? A little jaded, perhaps, right? I mean, if you know somebody's doing something just to get a reward, <clears throat> you're not as enthusiastic about giving them the reward as if they just did something awesome, and then out of the goodness of your heart, you're like, I've got to do something special for this. Then it's really nice, because they did something awesome for you, that out of the goodness of your heart, you're just like, man, I got to do something for them. And then, you know, there's the love, right? But when somebody does something just to get a reward, you know, somebody uh, sort of stole my cell phone like two weeks ago, and it's still trash. And uh, I think that they were trying to use it for nefarious purposes. 
And then uh, I caught them on it, basically, and told them the cops were coming. So they were all quick about, like, you know, oh, we'll give it back to you right now, no problem, you know. And, uh, and so I knew that they were just doing it to not either not get out of, to, to not get in trouble or just to get the reward. No good Samaritan here. So how did I feel about them? Instead of if I just called them and they said, oh, yeah, we found it, we'll give it right back to you, no problem. But because they were looking for something, you know, trying to figure out a way to maximize my loss, that didn't make me want to be their friend, did it? No. Jesus was not paid for his servanthood. He chose to serve God no matter the cost, chose to be obedient to God no matter the cost, and out of it, God elevated him to the highest place because it was a free gift of God because that's what God wanted to do. That's what happened. That's what God wanted to do. His elevation is great news for those who believe. Why? Because as the Bible says here, therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him name above all other names that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Basically what, that, what, the, basically what this means is, is that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, meaning everyone will, will basically worship Jesus, whether they're in heaven, meaning... Uh, a lot of people interpret that to mean basically um, everyone above us um, on earth, meaning people who are alive, and under the earth means people who are dead. Okay, So people who have passed on and are already with Jesus, people who are here on earth, and people who are basically dead. Um, then it is trying to say every single person who's ever been born will one day have to submit to God and submit to Jesus. And it's cool if we believe because if we don't believe, then we're, we're submitting to Jesus how? All right, I guess I'll do it, right? What, you don't want to elevate someone who does that, do you, if you're God? In fact, if someone just does something just to do it, to get a reward, or just to do it because they don't have a choice, it doesn't, doesn't make you want to do that. Put yourself in the place of a boss. Some of you might be bosses in your workplace. If you have an employee who just does the minimum, and when you ask them to do something, they're like, all right, I guess I can do this. You're going to put them up for a raise, right? A promotion immediately, right? Okay, the answer to that is no. You're not going to do it. Why not? Because you're not. Because you don't like their attitude. Because they're just not being a good employee because of a whole host of reasons. Uh, look, it is good news for, great news for those of us who believe because when we have already been a servant like Jesus and when Jesus is elevated to the highest honor that when we submit to God and obey Him that what happens? We are elevated as well. Why? Because we're on His team. We're on inside the house looking out, not outside looking in. We are redeemed gone from nothing to something that's important because of what Jesus has done. We ride the coattails, is a good way of saying it. We ride the coattails of what Jesus has done and God's gift to him. If God had not opened the way for him to have his place of honor in heaven, that by his name that we all confess and that we all submit to God, then there would be no way for us to hang out in heaven once we pass from this world. There'd be no way for us to experience that ab uh, abundance here on earth. 
But it's because of our obedience and because of our servanthood that we are elevated to that highest place. Because of what, again, Jesus has done. Third idea real quickly here today is that we will be able to bring glory to God. That the purpose of all this, that our hope in all this, is to bring glory to God and not to ourselves. And that when we do that, we are bringing glory to the right person, not the wrong person. We're bringing glory to the right person, taking it to the right place. And that will transform our lives in a way nothing else we possibly could ever do or bring to ourselves would. Let's look at this real quickly. Jesus' service brought glory to God the Father. The Bible tells us, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, right? That when, when, when we confess that Jesus is God, and that when we confess that He is our Redeemer and that He's our Savior, that when we say, look, His name, God, you have put it above every other name in our universe, that that will bring glory to God. Because that is the way God has chosen to receive glory from our world. Instead of saying, okay, just let's talk about me, saying, talk about my son. You bring glory to my son, and you bring glory to me. So here's where it all works together. If we live our lives, oh, let me read this last one. Nothing epitomizes God's love more than in freely sending his son to earth as a slave to set all of us slaves free. Nothing does it more. And so we can wrap it up by basically saying this idea right here, which is this. Let me do one more slide, and then I'll wrap it up. Our lives have glory only when it is God's glory in us. Here's where we can go. When we are about ourselves, right? It's all about me. Here's me. This is what I want. This is my glory. We're all tempted. I'm tempted with this. You're tempted with this. When we have the glory for ourselves, then that anything that we point to ourselves is something that God does not have and that God has no control over and God has no run of in our lives. And everything that we hold on to is what from last week we know is lost. It's not gain. It's lost. We want to gain our life. We will be willing to lose it. And in the same way, Jesus was willing to lose his life in order to bring God complete gain. It wasn't fake. It wasn't in the hope of a reward. It was legitimate. It was real. And when he did that, when Jesus was willing to sacrifice himself, be a servant to God and to people, that God honored him with the highest honor possible. And that as we go through life, we have a, we go through life, we make decisions every day whether we want to glorify God in our lives. But so that's just not an academic phrase that you think leaving here, okay, well, pastor, I got to glorify God. All right, I don't know what that means. So I'm just going to go about my way. How do we glorify God perhaps the best way possible to be a servant like Jesus? That's what this whole passage is about. To be a servant like Jesus. That when we humble ourselves, instead of taking ourselves and saying, God, look at me. World, look at me. Instead of doing that and saying, God, I submit and I obey your calling in my life. And to the people around us who are believers saying, look, I'll submit and I will, I will humble myself. I will follow. I will, if, I'll lead if you need me to lead. I'll follow if you need me to lead, follow. Whatever it, the calling is, I will do that when we become a servant like Jesus, it is the most surefire, most clear 
most articulate proof that you are a child of God and are glorifying Him. Anyone who's not willing to serve, if I may paraphrase the Bible here, is not worthy of the kingdom of heaven. Anyone who is not willing to serve, anyone who is not willing to serve has missed something in their lives or are on the outside looking in. My prayer for you this morning is that that will not be you. That you will desire to be a servant by Jesus. That you will willing, be willing to be obedient to God, to bring glory to Him, not expecting anything in return, but psst, just seeking, knowing that God has already promised you that He will elevate you also to that highest place, dwelling with Him when you pass from this world. You're not supposed to know that, but you do. So be a servant like Jesus. Take hold of it. Stop looking at your own giftings. Stop looking at your bad stuff. Stop looking at your good stuff. Focus on Him and Him alone. Make Him first. Make everything else second. And you will be in the best shape in life possible. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you this morning, Lord, and we, we ask this morning that you will help us, challenge us, get us out of the seat, whatever it, whatever it is, Father, that we need to do to be a servant like Jesus. Father, that whatever it takes for us to glorify you, to, to, to follow you, to answer your call in our lives, that we would do that. Father, I know that it is quite possible for the world to be changed just by one or two people here today at BBC. Lord, and I just pray that you would put a vision in our hearts to let us know what we are to do to follow you. Father, we pray this also this morning that we would continue to draw closer to you, that you would not allow the world to sweep away our desires to seek you. Lord, we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.